At Gospel Community Church, we have the joy of seeing tons of people come to meet Jesus, and that really is one of the best things in the world. It is the greatest thing in the world, right? Um, But in our larger world, we're also seeing Christians that are leaving the faith, right? And we see this on a personal level, um, and then we also see it uh, really big names in the faith who um, have just said they're walking away after years and years, apparently walking with the Lord. Um, And it's really sad to see. And so right now we're in this series called uh, How to Destroy the World in 10 Simple Steps. And essentially what we're doing uh, is looking at 10 different philosophies um, that really present uh, some big challenges uh, to Christianity today. And so today we're going to be looking at deconstruction. And so, Brandon, what is deconstruction? What does that term even mean? Because it's getting thrown around a lot. And um, yeah, I think people need to know exactly what this is. Yeah. So one thing is it definitely means different things to different people a little bit. Right. Right. So it can be synonymous with deconversion, mm-hmm. which is kind of more of the angle we're going to be looking at today. It can also just be people can use it in a positive way to say we need to kind of like rethink our beliefs. Mm-hmm. But really, it, it, it refers to a process where people are critically examining and questioning their faith mm-hmm. and specifically God's word. So it's, yeah. it's really often about saying there's not really any objective truth from God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, it's So it, it usually is associated with moving away from traditional biblical teachings. Yeah. And um, it can be this, you know, very personal sort of a thing, very individual yeah. sort of a thing. But obviously we've seen well-known figures doing this publicly, kind of deconstructing their yeah. faith. So usually when I hear that term, I'm thinking of something that's that's not good yeah. in terms of what Scripture says. Right. So that's kind of the the basics of what we're going to talk about with deconstruction. Yeah, yeah. No, nothing wrong with you know thinking through things, going through Scripture, trying to understand more. Um, but this seems to really yeah, be synonymous, like you're saying, with kind of leaving the faith. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a slow fade out, you know? So anyway, well, what, what is the origin of the term deconstruction? Where'd that come from? Yeah. Cause obviously I'm sure a lot of people listening to this think, well, there's nothing new <clears throat> or novel about leaving the faith. Mm-hmm. People have been doing that since, I mean, since there was a faith, right? Mm-hmm. We see Paul talking about those who have abandoned him and abandoned the faith. Um, but deconstruction is a phil- philosophical term. Mm-hmm. So it kind of is just it's common has a common sort of cultural usage, but it comes from Jacques Derrida, mm-hmm. who was you know this postmodern philosopher, and he, this was kind of his approach. He sort of invented or developed to analyze and question the underlying assumptions of different beliefs, mm. and was really questioning language and the ability to have meaning in language and power dynamics in language. So a lot of the things that we saw in our talk on postmodernism. Right. So this is sort of postmodernism applied to your belief system. So mm-hmm. It's about questioning. It's about seeing your beliefs as inherently subjective and therefore questioning, is there really any meaning to this? Is there any truth? Mm-hmm. And so when we look at in terms of people leaving the evangelical faith, right. we're saying they're, they're kind of questioning what they've been taught, reexamining it, and then kind of finding liberty or freedom from the confining beliefs that they used to have. Is right. often how it's used. Yeah, yeah, almost just questioning everything to the degree where it's like, um, it feels like a lot of people are like, oh, I still want to like be a Christian, but I don't want to like believe all this stuff that I've grown up with. I don't like, yeah. it's not convenient for me. That's at least how I've seen it. 
for times, sure for know. sure yeah so so anyway so you can see if you've been watching the series how much this aligns with both postmodernism and critical theories right because right? postmodernism is sort of the big belief system or the big uh, philosophy undergirding all of this mm -hmm. but this has a lot to do with critical theory and its approach to kind of seeing through everything Trying criticizing tear it or tearing it down yeah. right and one of the big problems that we're going to see with this is just like critical theory there's not a better solution that deconstruction puts in the place right. of traditional biblical faith yeah. that's that's one key key problem yeah. So there's been a lot of, I'm sure you could even add to this list, but there's been a lot of prominent people who mm -hmm. have sort of publicly deconstructed over the last couple of decades. Um, we could also talk about people we know personally. Mm -hmm. that, this wouldn't be the place for that, right? Mm -hmm. But I mean, I've seen many people that I yeah. minister to in a, a high school or a middle school ministry, mm -hmm. many people that were close friends of mine or yeah. I went to Christian school with that have gone through this process of deconstructing. Mm -hmm. So I know of a lot of examples mm -hmm. and um, I, the, I'd be very different in how I approached uh, an individual struggling with this or an individual right. going through this versus someone who's a high profile teacher, yeah. someone who claims to be, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you have the training, you have the maturity to actually lead others mm -hmm. and then you abandon the faith. Mm -hmm. I think scripture also speaks very differently to those groups of people. There's more Definitely. compassion for the person who's struggling right. and who's immature in their faith and the person who has had all the training and should know better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, off the top of my head, I can think of um, like three different Christian artists, you know, yeah. who just all of a sudden were like, oh, I'm deconstructing. It's kind of like, a, <laughs> it's like a scholarly way to walk away from the faith yeah. is almost what it seemed like. It, it, it seems like there's a you know, for certain people, again, I'm going to speak in generalities, um, that I've seen, it's almost kind of like there's an arrogance about it too. There's kind of like, oh, well, I'm deconstructing. I, I am, I'm bold enough. I'm brave enough to actually look at this stuff, you know, whereas you're not, if you just take the Bible at its word. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. Instead of just saying, Hey, I really do want to kind of sin and <laughs> live yeah. in sin. That's <laughs> like, not, that's not a very yeah. compelling or you don't feel very righteous saying no. that. So mm -hmm. instead you say, I'm deconstructing and I'm just more sophisticated than you. And, mm -hmm. oh yeah, I used to be like you and just really right. foolish and naive and now. Yeah. Um, and so we'll, we'll kind of get into that yes. too as in terms of how the, this is often spoken of. Yeah. But some of the big examples, I'm sure you're thinking of guys like Gunger, right? Mm -hmm. Who is mm -hmm. really, I, don't, I think he would probably still consider himself a Christian, but just yeah. very, very liberal at this point. For sure. Yeah. Rob Bell. I don't Rob think Bell. Rob Bell would consider himself a Christian, but Rob Bell, if you don't know, he was a uh, pastor of a mega church in Michigan. Mm -hmm. Super, like, young guy, very influential. Kind of this mm -hmm. picture of of success and ministry. Everyone, like, wanted to imitate him. Mm -hmm. He was so cool, and he had these NUMA videos that would be shown at youth groups or whatever. Right. And then he began to sort of just question Christian yeah. belief on hell. Yeah. And would God really, you know, condemn Gandhi that whole thing. Yeah. To, to hell? And it's probably 2009 or so, I, I would guess. That sounds right. Um, yeah. Kind of the beginning of my time in ministry. But eventually, he walked away from his church, and he started a show on the Oprah Network. I don't know if it's still there. Mm -hmm. But really, I mean, last, last I heard, he wasn't going to church, and he pro-LGBT, things like that is yeah. what I understand. So that kind of deconstruction pattern. Yeah. Or Jen Hatmaker was a big one from maybe five years ago. No, probably a little bit longer, probably like seven years ago. But a popular conservative author, and she you know, kind of shared her journey openly about moving into being pro-LGBT mm -hmm. and 
reflect on how bad her past was yeah right, and all that sort of stuff or well it, the, the name i don't know why the name is escaping me right now but the guy who uh wrote grace alone um, yeah Dust, uh dustin Kensrud. yeah dustin Kensrud, yeah, right that was a big thing and yeah. it was i was so sad when i was just like kind of like going through his twitter and just seeing all this stuff that he put out there publicly right saying you know what he doesn't believe anymore and not, not even just that he didn't believe some of these really core truths anymore, but that he was like condemning the people who yeah. believed what he believed five minutes ago. Yeah. They usually go that way. Yep, right. Yep. We see that. And then Joshua Harris too. Right. So yeah. I grew up with Joshua Harris and the whole I kiss dating goodbye, mm-hmm. which was a book, but also like kind of a movement, you know, mm-hmm. of like rejecting modern dating and, and purity culture and all that. Yeah. And then one day he just came out in 2019 mm-hmm. and was like, oh, I'm not a Christian anymore. Yeah. Um, and then he immediately started selling, you know, tickets to his course on how to like get out of evangelicalism. Right. Which is so amazing. Cause yeah. so often it's like they write a it's book. It's like now that I've made they, money from them. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just going to immediately yeah. try to profit off of yeah. my deconversion essentially. Right. Not just, not yeah. just deconstruction, but deconversion. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting. And, um, you know, I, I, I read this article which I think summed up a lot of the main points really well. So it was by Michael Kruger. I read, I read a bunch of articles okay. in preparation for this, but he really, I think, like, kind of sums up the features of deconstruction really well. Mm-hmm. So he wrote an article that's called Jen Hatmaker and the Power of Deconversion Stories. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how essentially uh, in this deconstruction movement mm-hmm. or this you know trend, there's like a testimony that happens. So mm-hmm. you give your testimony of kind of how you're trying to convert the converted mm-hmm. to being unconverted. So he had, he had this statement. He said, deconversion stories are designed not to reach non-Christians, but to reach Christians. And their purpose is to convince them that their outdated, naive beliefs are no longer worthy of their assent. Right. A person simply shares his testimony of how he once thought like you did, but now have seen the light. So I thought that was such a good insight. And then he goes on to to list the the steps in the deconversion process. Yeah. And so I'm going to quote his steps, and then we'll kind of give our own thoughts on these steps. I think they're cool. so good. So step one in the, de- the deconstruction um, pattern is recount the negatives of your fundamentalist past. Mm-hmm. So you start by kind of focusing on how abusive or negative or mm-hmm. narrow-minded right. your your past was as being find you were in this belief system. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, Oh man, when I was a, when I was a Christian or, you know, Mm -hmm. look at the purity culture, how bad that was, how how much Christians hate sex or whatever, which Mm -hmm. I've never seen personally, but, or man, back then, like we were just taught to hate homosexuals. Yeah. Like, I I mean, it's possible. I don't know who, what group that is in Christianity that teaches that. Is, is um, that the problem in the church at large yeah. in America right now that too many people are too hateful towards homosexuals? I, I don't know that it is. If yeah. anything, maybe we're too lenient to, to not speak the truth. Yeah, we love. really want them to, to think that we love them, so we're not even going to say the truth to them yeah. Yeah. about their sin. Mm-hmm. Um, they they And they paint this picture as if this is what all of us have experienced in Christianity. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I mean, we have friends in common that have gone through this time of like, well, I, I, ha- I have a friend now who's homosexual and mm-hmm. I don't know if I can say that that's wrong because I, I have this friend, you know, and, 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 and yeah. I was saying like, if you 
if you think it's wrong, it's simply because you have this aversion. Right. As opposed right. to, no, I say yeah. everyone is wrong, including myself. Mm-hmm. We all yeah. sin. And all I'm not going to affirm the sin. But sort of, there's sort of this focus on how negative your your upbringing was. Mm-hmm. Very often you're condemning your parents with that. I mean, I, I, I do think often in our modern world, parents are kind of seen as like an original sin. Mm-hmm. Like the, yeah. the parents are the source of all evil. They, they traumatized you. They... And maybe they did. I'm not. I mean, there's bad parents out there, totally, but totally. but so often it's parents that did the best they could, mm-hmm. but they're they're kind of the problem. Yeah. And so you're kind of free to do whatever you want. It's often people who have never been a parent saying this stuff too, yes. right? Yes. So. They haven't seen how hard it is. So step one: recount the negatives of your fundamentalist past. Step two: position yourself as the offended party who bravely fought the establishment. Yeah. Everyone loves an underdog. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Yeah. Like. I mean, the only reason why I turned away from Jesus was because I was the one who had the bravery mm. to confront this yeah. you know, negative, negative thing that was happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Usually, again, like we've been saying, the person acts as if the position they just held yeah. is so obviously evil and so terrible and yeah. everyone in that group hates, hates, hates. Um, we were talking about this with, with Rick Warren in the whole uh, SBC right. annual meeting. To, to say, oh, people of that position I just held hate women. Yeah. It's like, it so means, did you yeah. hate women? For, yeah, you hated yeah. women all the time. Wow. <laughs> or you hated homosexuals or you hated right. people of a different races or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, and often that's, you know, not maybe this is the case. Maybe it's ca- the case that they feel so guilty over their racial hatred or whatever that yeah. they, this is kind of the way they atone for that. They think they're atoning for that. Trying to overcorrect in some strange way or yeah. something. But they yeah. then just assume everyone from that group thinks that way, right. which is crazy. Right. Step three, portray your opponent as overly dogmatic while you are just a seeker. Yeah, yeah. So you go from, I'm the brave one, you know, mm-hmm. I stood up to, man, my my opponents, they just are just so dogmatic. Yeah. And I'm just asking questions. You know, I just want to <laughs> find the truth, right? Yeah. I'm just an honest and open person. And I decided for the first time to honestly seek the truth. Right. And and trying to act like like often that this isn't influenced by any sort of cultural values mm-hmm. or any yeah. sort of things around them, yeah. which is so clearly not true. Yeah, and it's it's like that person too. What is there? Nothing you would say is true. Well, some of these people actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. right. But yeah, you know, it's like yeah, they portray you as being so dogmatic and like unwilling to budge if you say that something in scripture is true. Well, they would say the same thing about like other things as well, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They, they're like, well, I'm not dogmatic, but you're a racist, terrible, you know, whatever, sexist, exactly that, that kind of stuff. So exactly. it is, it's in hyper dogmatic while pretending mm-hmm. to be just about this honest seeking of truth. Yeah. Again, we're yeah. speaking of the high profile um, deconversion testimonies here. Yes. Step four: insist your new theology is driven by the Bible. And is not a rejection of it. Mm-hmm. In fact, people that have these kind of deconversion testimonies or de- deconstruction testimonies will often be very offended that someone would question whether they actually believe in the Bible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you you introduce an entirely novel belief, like mm-hmm. you know, two men or two women can be married. Mm-hmm. It's a completely novel belief in in human history, but also in scripture. Right. And everyone has disagreed with that. From the beginning, yeah, of look at church history, and, <laughs> and and yet you act like completely offended that anyone would would question that right. you are totally basing this off of scripture. Yeah, that's a very very common trait. 
Yeah, and no matter how many like foreign things you'd have to introduce alongside scripture to to try to make it work, yeah. you know, it's never just the text, it's never just scripture. It's all this. Well, at the time, like we can't know, and we yeah. yeah. Well, that's so. that's culturally bound and yeah, all these sorts of things. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, I believe in scripture. I believe in the real truth of scripture, just mm-hmm. not you know I can understand it better than, than other yeah. people, right? Um, step five: attack the character of your old group and uplift the character of your new group. Yeah. That is such that is so true. So again, wh- what those people believe, that's totally terrible. How could they ever believe that? They must be awful people mm-hmm. and we're the righteous ones. And I was reading this blog, I don't even know the name of the person. It's the known I'd ever heard of, but I was just kind of searching for deconstruction stories. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and this was an actual paragraph from one of these deconstruction stories. I think it was a a man writing. He said, a few months ago, I was speaking about matters of race, privilege, and injustice at a college in Mississippi. During the Q&A, a young black man asked me point blank, why don't more white Christians speak the way you do? Just just Uh, put on my Medal of Honor. (laughs) Let me just take my horn and start tooting it. (laughs) I'll take things that never happened for for 200. Good grief. Yeah. But but that's kind of you know I'm you just kind of this humble brag of oh. man I'm so enlightened about race issues or this or yeah. that issue and man like that group I used to be part of is just so terrible and I'm so so right. great yeah. you know yeah it's very I mean it's very Pharisaical like you made the reference but oh, that really is what this is is yeah. God I thank you that I'm not like other men right mm-hmm. who don't understand race in America or don't understand sexuality whatever it might be right yeah yeah but but all of this you know there's a lot we could say about it but deconstruction it to me i always think of the serpent's temptation in genesis 3 did god yeah. really say yeah. yeah so it starts off with did god actually say mm-hmm. so he, he doesn't come out and directly attack scripture it's a mm-hmm. sideways attack it's yeah. a oh you know did that, was that really what he said and yeah. maybe he adds a little bit to it and mm-hmm. just questions i'm just mm-hmm. asking questions no big deal right just yeah. kind of seeking and that's what he's doing he's trying to deconstruct the clear statement of of God, right? Um, that's what deconstruction does. Is it says, "Well, we, how can we really know? I mean, that was a long time ago, and things change, whatever." But it's the same basic temptation to question yeah. God's word, and then following that, outright deny God's judgment. Yeah. Right? You will not surely die. Yeah. Is what the serpent says. Definitely. Um, there's not going to be any result of you walking away from the faith or questioning or taking the place of God. Yeah. And yeah. then then of course you can be like God. I mean that's really what deconstruction does mm-hmm. in its purest form in this sort of rebellious form that we're talking about mm-hmm. here is it's saying I can decide what to take from Christianity mm-hmm. and what to leave behind and yeah. I can be the arbiter of truth. Yeah. Yeah, that that's what I always um I see, you know, in people. I mean we I have this struggle as well. What do I want? What does God say? Yeah. Right? And I think what deconstruction does is it like takes what you want and it definitely elevates it over scripture easily, you know, and then it even says like, Oh no, God agrees with you. You know, it's just like this high and mighty type of thing where you're like, you're completely twisting things around, you know, just to say whatever you want. And as time goes on and as standards change in the world, right? Like it's just going to keep going further and further till you can, make the Bible say whatever you want when you yeah. set that standard, yeah. right? It never ends. 
For sure. Yeah, and it, it reminded me of a sermon I gave years back when I was a lowly youth pastor. But I, I, I quoted a Babylon Bee article headline. Yeah. And and it, I remember it was something to the effect of, the headline was, uh, Jesus was a radical deconstructionist feminist, yeah. says radical deconstructionist feminist. Yeah. I think communist might have been in there too, but yes. yeah. Com- yeah, com- I think so. Yeah. And, and I remember I got like no response. It was just like dead quiet. I was like, that's, that is hilarious. Oh yeah. Um, because you know, what it's obviously saying is it's mm-hmm. amazing how Jesus ends up looking just like the people want him to look. He just right. reflects all their cultural, political values. He becomes mm-hmm. a tool for their purposes. Yeah. So we have to be so clear, so careful mm-hmm. about doing that and so clear on what God's word says. So we mm-hmm. say, you know, I don't like that, mm-hmm. but maybe the problem is me. Maybe yeah. I should like that. Maybe I need yeah. to figure out why God's word says that. So that's, that's the struggle, right? Like are, are we going to try to make Jesus look more like us or are we going to try to look more like him? Yeah. You know? And so we, we always want to be doing the latter. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So a couple of takeaways for you who are strong in the faith. I think this whole topic should remind you that you need to be careful about how you live. Mm-hmm. You need to remember that you're representing Christ to people, even if they're going to unfairly base you know, the entirety of Christianity off of your actions. Mm-hmm. It's very possible. I mean, you represent Christ as a Christian, so you need to be careful about how you act. You need to be uh, kind with how you interact with those who are weak in the faith and patient with them. We should never be a, a culture as Christians that is afraid of asking questions. Mm-hmm. We should be able to examine, knowing that truth comes from God, that he gives us the answers we need, that he, he can deal with our doubts. And so yeah. we should find ways to help those who are experiencing doubt mm-hmm. in our midst. Yeah. Um, and I would also say, don't, don't leave things unsaid in your mm-hmm. relationships. There's been many times where a student, I saw them kind of heading on the wrong path. I think often I can look back and say, I had a conversation, I mm-hmm. intervened. Very often they keep going down the wrong path. Right. But you think, well, I, I said what God put on my heart to say. Mm-hmm. And then there's times where, honestly, I didn't say that thing. Right. I didn't have that tough conversation out of fear that they wouldn't like me. Mm-hmm. And so I left things unsaid, right. and you're, you're left to wonder, well, what would have happened, how would it look di- different mm-hmm. if I had said something? Right. And so I don't live in ongoing guilt from that, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's part of life. But I would encourage you, if you're in a situation now with someone who's heading down that path, Mm -hmm. say what God's put in your heart. Say what's in Scripture, Yeah. right? Don't leave those things, those concerns unsaid. Yeah. And and I think I would say to anyone who's um, maybe not as mature in their faith or struggling in some ways, what we're not saying is that you're not allowed to like ask any questions, no, no, right? No. It's good to ask questions. Absolutely. Like go ask these questions, go to scripture, go to your pastor. Um, but what we are saying is along with that, analyze your motivations, right? Yeah, yeah. Are, are you maybe questioning something that scripture says because, you know, you legitimately don't understand it. You're trying to understand more and uh, live in that truth. Or is it just because you really want someone to tell you, no, that's okay. That that's not a sin, yeah. right? Like you, you can do whatever you want in that area, you know? So yeah, again, along with that, just analyze your motivations. Why am I doing this? What are, are my intentions pure? Do I want to know more about the Lord? Do I want his will in my life in every area, no matter the cost, you know, no matter what society says? Yeah. Is this an honest inquiry mm-hmm. or is this, yeah. I just want to chase after sin. Yeah. I mean, our, 
the motives are often very murky. And I'd also say you need to doubt your doubts. You sh- I mean, it's very easy to poke holes in a belief system. Mm-hmm. Anyone can do that. Every belief system has things that are they're harder to answer or they're, mm-hmm. they're difficult to approach. The question I would have for you, if you're, if you're thinking about jumping ship and abandoning Christianity, mm-hmm. what's going to be your alternative? What's going to be, you can poke holes in the, the ship of Christianity, right? But do you have a ship of your own? Are you just going to be drowning? Mm-hmm. And often yeah. people don't take a moment to consider that, to say, okay, I don't like this or that. You know, I don't like um, that there's suffering and yeah. God is good, right? Yeah. That's, a, that's a great question. Well, what, what's the alternative? Yeah. Is the alternative a universe where there's no such thing as suffering, right? No mm. one cares about your suffering. It's all bleak and meaningless. Right. Well, that should, in, that should obviously hit us as a dissatisfying answer. Mm-hmm. We may not know how to, how to iron out everything right away with Christianity, mm-hmm. but we can know that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, we, we instinctively know something's wrong with the universe. That means there's a way it should be that it's not. That means yeah. there's someone who sets that standard for creation. So yeah. I would just I would say question your questions and doubt your doubts. Mm-hmm. Think through really what is the alternative to my faith because very often, uh, I'd say always, mm-hmm. non-Christians have a belief system that doesn't cohere, doesn't make sense together, doesn't answer the questions you needed to answer. Right. And Christianity is a much more complete and beautiful system even for those who lack uh, much understanding about it. Yeah.